loved her yeah. and just honored her in that way. And so then it became a little, I think that's where it got ingrained where you're like, this is not just a joke. This is really yeah. a cute thing. And now we don't even think about it. Yeah. So for the record. Kathy's kind of harder to say anyways. Like, Kat, sweetie's easier. Right. It flows. So I'm not going to stop calling you sweetie. That's what I was going to say. For the record, it probably won't end. Right. So <laughs> I apologize for being the schmoopy guy. <laughs> But I can't stop now. Sweetie, you're schmoopy. You're schmoopy. Yikes. <laughs> let's talk about um, let's talk about our first partner, um, Dr. John Kelly. It's not your father's dentist, sweetie. You want to know something Dr. Kelly does? What? You know what TMJ is? I do. What's TMJ? Uh, it's where it's that lockjaw thing. Jaw pain, headaches, back pain, difficulty chewing or biting, ringing in the ears. That's what TMJ is. And Dr. Kelly is uniquely qualified to treat this dysfunction because of education experience. He has furthered his education over the last 20 years in multiple disciplines of TMJ disorders and works with a network of professionals to help him process the treatment. So that's uh, Chicago Dentist Online. Dot com seven seven three six three one sixty eight forty four. That's Dr. John Kelly. So now let's talk about Grace. Okay. Do we want to start with my little story that I'm that I printed off, or do we want to start with this girl? Um, I don't care. Start I'm gonna out. let you decide. So this is a YouTube clip, and it's three minutes long. We're gonna break it up into smaller chunks. Okay. So this is the first minute. It's a six year old girl talking to her mom. Her mom's holding the camera, and the six year old is telling his is. Informing her mom. She is sharing with her mom how she feels. Here we go. Then me. Mom, are you ready to be his friend? Yes. Try not to be that that high up to be friends. I want everything to be low. Okay? Okay. Just try your best. I, I don't want you and my dad to be replaced and and me again i want you and my dad to be placed as settled and be friends i'm not trying to be mean i just want everyone to be friends seems like a really good place to stop (laughs) that was the first 39 seconds and it could be it could be good just stopping there but what do you think about her well first of all the reason that we're associating this with grace is because sometimes the wisdom that we need comes from places that we wouldn't expect, which is um, part of what I believe grace to be. And I don't know if this little girl is this profound all the time or if they think of her as being silly and trying to be – what's that word where uh, precocious, you mm-hmm. know, like where you're trying to be more adult? Mm-hmm. But there's – like Todd said, this is just the very beginning, but there's so much wisdom in what she just said. And Todd posted this on our uh, Facebook page and I commented underneath it that the language that she's using, um, I relate to so well because I the way she's talking about feelings is she sees them visually and I see feelings visually too. And I think a lot of people do, but we don't really know how to access the language to explain that. And her saying, don't be so high up. And she's putting her hands she's up putting high. putting her hands up. And what that means is don't be difficult to reach and inaccessible. Mm. Don't make this hard. Don't challenge everything. Don't come in pissed off already. Don't wait. It's like when she's like, don't be up here. And she's like, keep it low. What she's saying is be accessible, Mm -hmm. be willing, be open, be available. And and a lot of people think about that as kid language, which obviously it's coming from a kid, but really do you understand, can you see that? I can't. You can feel that? Well, and, but I don't, I can't tap into feelings the way you can, as far as, you know, the high, low thing, you know, like how does feeling have a high and a low? I just, I'm in my brain. Right. But that doesn't mean I'm wrong and you're right. It's just, it's harder for me to grasp. When you, when you come from a feeling place instead of a head place, everything kind of has a visual or a color or a symbolism Mm -hmm. that explains it. And kids are totally still tapped into this. And so when she says, don't be so high, she's saying, don't be difficult. You're telling me with your words that you're going to be friends with my dad. But I know when you walk in, your feelings are not in that place. Well, and to your point, I don't know if this uh, girl is regurgitating something she heard. Possibly. I'm 
but I would be, would be willing to bet that we talk about how kids have something to teach us, and you just talked about this. There's wisdom in this little being. Right. And I think that she's kind of downloading it from a higher place. That's kind of what I – exactly, is that there is something coming through that is – because you're right. This goes on. Like she, It's not like she's thinking, what do I say next? Yeah. So should we go on? Please. If I can be nice, I think all of us can be nice too. I'm not trying to be mean, but I'm trying to do my best in my heart. Nothing else than that. I want you, Mom, my dad, everyone to be friends. I want everyone to be smiling. Not like being mad. I want everything to smile. Especially when I see someone, I want them to smile. Especially Nana, everyone. I want everyone to smile. And if that's for my dad and you, Mom, I think you can do it. I think you can settle your your mean your mean heights down a little to short heights. Then it's both. Okay. Before we talk about the last part of that clip, I've always said on many podcasts, all our kids want, we always want to know what do we do to be a good parent? What do we say in the right circumstance? How do we discipline our kids? None of that really matters. All our kids want is for us to smile. All I, I used to say, all my daughters want is for me to be in a good mood. Mm-hmm. I'm in a much, my my energy is so much different when I'm in a good mood. They feel my energy when I'm grumpy and they are less vulnerable. They're probably less authentic. They just want us adults to smile. Now the smile has to be authentic. You can't fake it because they'll figure it out. But really, that's all this kid wants, and that's all our kids want from us. So think about it this way. Um, She feels, because she's a kid and she still feels that lightness and that connection to where she came from, and it's very – that's her, like, uh, baseline. That's Mm -hmm. where she is all the time in that. Like, everything is amazing. You know, everything is beautiful. And when she sees people, she wants that sense of herself reflected back to her. And when children have to be surrounded by people all the time who are, are, you know, what's that facial expression? Like, you know, they're always, like, worried about stuff and anxious and mad and problem solving and, like Todd would say, completely in their head. They are not getting reflected back to them the way that they see the world. Mm -hmm. And what she's saying is, you know – I, going back to the beginning, I have the power to do this. So I know you do too. And this is a lot of what we talk about on this show is that because Todd and I have grieved and had loss and trauma and anxiety and depression, and there's no way to say we've had everything everyone else has had. That's not what I'm saying, but we've had pain and there are ways to work with pain that you can't get rid of pain, but there are ways to work through it. And something that we like to share on the show is because we've felt pain and worked through it, there is a way and, and that it's going to be different for everyone. It's going to be a different path, a different look. It doesn't have to be identical. But what this little girl is saying is because I can do this, I know everybody else can too. Right. A lot of times we'll say, well, you can, but I can't, or that person can't, but she can. No, no, no. We all have the power to feel love. We all have the power to live in our heart. And she's, another thing you're not seeing is she's pointing to her heart. Yeah, yeah. the body language is as powerful as her words. So once again, in our show notes, I think you'll be able to just click on this either online or even on your phone. Uh, The YouTube clip will be in the show notes. And I encourage you to watch the two minutes and 54 seconds that this clip is. Because again, she's not pointing to her head saying, this is what I think. She's saying, this is what I know in my heart to be true. Yeah. And it's completely unscripted. She's just talking. It's just weird. Well, and one more thing that I wrote down because I found this really powerful the first time too. settle your mean heights to short heights. I mean, again, visual language, take the edge off these mean heights, you know, like she's really, she's using her body, all that meanness. I feel when you guys walk in the room, you need to shorten that down. Mm -hmm. What does that mean? You need to deal with that energy and take responsibility for that energy before you walk in this room. Because that's the thing is we think we'll walk in and have a smile, like Todd said, and be like, no, everything's fine. I'm not mad. She feels you. Right. Take that mean height to a short height. 
let's be settled. Mm. You know, let's not come in with all of our crap. And so I think everybody knows what she's saying, but we pretend that it's kids speak, but it's not. You ready? Yep. Hey, I'm not trying to be mean. I'm not trying to be a bully. I'm trying to be steady on the floor, not way down on straight on the middle where my heart is. My heart is something. Everyone else's heart is something too. And if we live in a world where everyone's being mean, everyone's going to be a monster and different. Okay, before we get yes, into the monsters. That is so profound. Because now she is so funny. We're like analyzing this as if it's something that's, that's really well thought out. That's because this is as wise as Rumi. Right. This is as wise as any so, teacher. So, so she switched gears and started, stop talking about her mom and her dad and are talking about the big picture. The big picture. Everybody. So. We need to be steady on the floor where my heart is. We need to be grounded. We need to have our feet on the earth so we can then reach from there. If we're all up in the air and angry and worried and not connected to ourselves, there is no way we can do this. Mm-hmm. You know, that sense of groundedness. Children, the reason children fall over and have no problem. Part of it is their height, yes, because they don't have to fall as far as we do. But the reason that I was with my daughter at uh, JC's cross-country meet and Skylar rolls down the hill 10 times and then comes up and has a conversation is because she needs to be connected to the earth. When there's grass, her feet come off. Or her feet come off. That'd be weird. <laughs> when there's grass, her shoes come off and her feet come out. Yes. And she just rolls and they take grass and they put it all over them and they don't mind mud and they don't mind being dirty. They are of the earth. Now, I know I'm getting really deep about one statement she made, but you have to understand how important this is for children. And because we were all children, how important this is for us. Anxiety, what I get visually when someone tells me they're anxious or when I'm anxious, is your feet are off the ground. You've lost your centering. You've lost worry. Well, you get lost in worry. You That's get another lost way. In worry. Of, so, but if you are stable or you're connected, then you can still, it's not that you remove worry out out of your existence, but you see it as worry. You're like, I'm worrying about something that may or may not come true. And as you dissipate your worry, your feet, it's like when people say they need, this person needs to get his feet on the ground. What are they saying? What what does that come from? They need to get steady. Like she says, they need to get back to their heart space. They need to get back to where they, where they belong because everywhere else is unsettling for not only the person, but the people around that person. Right. It is very, did you know that anxiety is actually contagious? Um, I didn't. It was one of the first things when you become a therapist, when you're talking about, um, I mean, there's so much back and forth. It's called transference and countertransference when you're with a client. But one of the things that's very real is if you are with an anxious person, you naturally pick up their anxiety. You start to get a little like flustered and toe tappy and you, that in itself helps you diagnose that person. Well, and I think we can all relate to that. We all have anxious people in our world and- you know, uh, when I'm with an anxious person, I, I feel that. Exactly. Um, so how do you uh, not allow that to Notice penetrate? self-awareness. Five minutes ago, I was feeling okay. Okay, wait, wait. Now I'm talking to this person. I'm feeling really anxious. Being conscious of it and reminding yourself that it's not yours to carry. And again, that's a, you know, these are... These are difficult because sometimes when you're feeling anxious, you're like, well, if I'm feeling anxious, it must be mine. But you have to be thoughtful about who you surround yourself with. And if it's someone in your family, you can say, you know, as I say to you or to the girls or you guys say to me, I'm feeling your anxiety. Mm-hmm. Just put it right out there. Well, and it doesn't necessarily have to be anxiety. It could be one of many different. I'm feeling your worry. Right. I'm feeling your. And what that does well, is. Well, excitement. Excitement's contagious. Of course. It doesn't necessarily have to be a bad thing. Sure. Right. Absolutely. Um, to this conversation just about anxiety and getting grounded, you know, to pick it up is not such a great thing, but you're right. The other side, um, if someone is really excited or happy, it's really kind of hard to be around them and to not go there with them. Um, but what's important about putting it out there or saying it out loud to that person is there is a decision to not pick it up for them. You know, there's a decision to not say it's all your fault, but wow, I'm really feeling anxiety. Are you feeling anxious or Something to that effect. Right. Um, I have to do that because I have a hard time disconnecting 
I work hard to figure out what's mine and what's someone else's. So I have to say Sweetie, it out you're loud. an open channel. Uh, sometimes, yes. You are. <laughs> um, so now she's talking about monsters. And it's funny is I, I did not comprehend this as well as the first two minutes, but this is the part that you thought was pretty profound, okay, right? yeah. So this is her talking about monsters. Everyone said be a monster in their future. What if, if there's just a little bit of person and we will eat them, then no one will ever be here. Only the monsters in our place. We need everyone to be in person. Everyone, including me and my mom, everyone. I just want everything to be settled down. Okay, before we get into the settle down, there's 24 more seconds left. But I feel like now I'm reading Shakespeare because I don't understand what the heck she's talking about. So monsters. She says to her mom, if we don't figure this out, everybody is going to be monsters. And they're going to eat. There'll be some persons, but they will eat them. So this is the visual of monsters. Someone who is so, I'll use her language, who is so high in their meanness and so full of pain that they go out in the world and they take their pain and they put it all over everybody and they eat those people who are actually still trying to live in their heart. And they, if that begins, if hurt people hurt people and if pain gets shared, we're all going to be monsters. And from some people's perspective, there's already... A lot of that going around. So when I hear monsters, I think people who are disconnected to their source. Absolutely. Okay. They are so disconnected and in pain, they can't get down to that steady place and get grounded. So they're living in a false reality of cruelty or anger or pain or whatever it is. And they're passing that along and eating other people. Well, and this goes to, you know, 10 o'clock news full of monsters. Abs- it's right? all monsters. So I... Or it's a commercial of monsters, like the monsters are out here. Mm -hmm. And um, that's why I choose not to participate in watching the 10 o'clock news because it's all monsters. And I think it's that awareness that, you know, this is what we're talking about. When we say, you know, the news is not the news, it's the 10 worst stories of the day. This is what we're talking about. So where are you going to direct your attention, to the monsters or to the people Right. And what she's saying is this is obviously, like you said, I really do think she's downloading from something beyond her. And I know for some of you that doesn't mean anything, Anything, um, but there's something coming through her that's pretty profound. And what she's and so she's using kids speak to explain something profound. And what she's saying is it's a self-preservation thing and a world preservation thing. I am in my heart. But if you guys don't get your SHIT together, you're going to I'm not going to be able to stay here. Because it's not just about, and when I say stay here, I don't mean on the earth, but I'm not going to be able to maintain this sense of heart-centeredness. So our job as a civilization is to help this girl stay stay where she is. Yes. Because all of our kids, all of us, we used to be children. We lived inside of our hearts. That's right. And then we became jaded. Yes. Now we have plenty of moments of love and joy. Of course. But we also are jaded. This kid's not jaded yet. Nope. And it's our job as parents. So think about your own child. You know, whether your kid is six months, six years, or 16 years old, the idea is to get them back to where they were. You have to be, your responsibility as a parent and as a human being in this society, all of us, I'm speaking for all of us, is to be conscious of the monster that you bring. It is to be conscious of the energy you bring into situations with other people. Because if you are unconscious and if you are mindless, mindless, like we talked about last week, then you bring your heaviness, you bring what you don't have, you bring what should have happened, and you bring a sense of worry and anxiety that everybody else absorbs. And so you have to take responsibility for... And here's the thing, you guys. There's no reason to feel guilty and shameful. We all have monster. All of us have a little bit of monster, and that's part of being human. Welcome to humanity. But then we all have kid... We are all this kid. We were all born like her. And we're, and it's still there. She still exists. Everything, our cells have changed. Our bodies have changed. But that peace, that's, that's the essence of who we still are. Still lives inside us. And the reason that you're listening to this podcast and the reason you read a book on spirituality or the reason you go to church <clears throat> is to figure out how you get back there. You're like, how do I find this? And as many teachers would say, including your beloved Jeff Foster, don't try and get back. 
You're there. Just accept it. Yeah. Don't try and do the big search of 10 years and the I'm a seeker. And then again, I understand that language. I used to use the seeker language too, but seeker sounds like there's some goal. Yeah. There's a destination. And and the thing is, is it's constant every day and moment by moment, you never reach it. Mm-hmm. What you do is you access it and you use it. it it's there. It's, and, and how do you access it? You access it through the present moment. And through practice. Yeah. And through knowing that there is no final destination, like Todd said, that some days the monster's a little strong and other days you know. And this is what grace is. This is why this show is about grace because grace is present all the time. Not only is this girl demonstrating a sense of grace, but she's reminding us what grace can feel and look like. Right. And sometimes it shows up in the most uncommon ways. Okay. Last 24 seconds. Nothing else. I just want everything to be good as possible. Nothing else. Thank you, Tana. Come and give me a What's great about that video is if you look in her eyes, when she's done talking, it's as if the she download just stopped. just stopped. She's done. Oh, my gosh. That's so weird. I, I didn't know. notice it until I, I'm looking at it on my screen. So... Many of us would look at this video and or have a laugh at it or say whatever, kids speak. Some of us would look at this from a mystical way Mm -hmm. and say something is coming through her that she would not be able to explain. And I say merge the two because a lot of things are mystical. Not mystical like you have to be religious or follow a dogma or shift everything you believe. Open yourself up to the possibility. Open yourself up to the possibility. And if we asked her, if if this mom put her back on the stairs and said, say what you just said again. She wouldn't be able to do There's that. no way. Uh-uh. Uh-uh. Because it, it's not hers. It came, it's just like the children. It's just like Gibran. They, they're not, of they're you. not of me. They came through me. My children are not mine. Yes. I gave birth to them, but I don't own them. They came through something that is beyond my conception. Mm-hmm. Um, and, a lot of the information we receive, a lot of the wisdom we receive, because remember, she wasn't receiving from her brain. She was receiving from her heart. And and a lot of people who kind of have a better understanding of these kind of receptive experiences say, well, I get it through the top of my head or I get it through my feet or I feel it in my legs. So I'm not saying that's the only place. But what I'm saying is this is more common than you think. This is happening to you. Well, I was just... Listening to something, and you may have been there with me, but it was somebody who had a big presentation, and uh, they're about to start, and they realized that they didn't want to go off their notes. They had like all these notes written down, and they they closed it down. They like shut their computer. They threw away their notes, and they just started talking. Mm-hmm. And it went so much better because he allowed. God, I wish I would remember what the example was, but it doesn't matter. It happens to us all the time. Instead of over over preparing. And making sure you're saying, like this show, like we don't have any clue what we're about to talk about when we press record. We just kind of let it come out. We're inviting our listeners, our audience, our our partners, our helpers to open themselves up to shut your computer down and speak from your heart. Well, and there's two things that need to happen for that. Number one, self-trust and number two, practice. Because maybe the first time you're going to go present to Google – you have some notes because, you know, but maybe after you've been doing something for a while, you recognize that the wisdom that's coming through your heart and saying what you really feel and believe is not only more powerful just in translation, but people feel it. Mm -hmm. So that's why they connect to you. Not because you said the perfect sentence and recited the perfect quote, but because people connected. I, as you know, to Todd's point about the guy, um, you know, that is – there are definitely ways that I can get prepared for things, but I did a uh, workshop this Saturday, actually a BU one. I went back I went back and did a fifth-grade BU so thing. So it back old school. <laughs> and, um, and when Todd came home and asked me, you know, what you guys talk about or what was discussed, I don't know at all. I don't remember. Like I remember some basic points or some points where we laughed, but the the whole process of – uh, presenting to children or to talking with parents, if you are in the moment with it, then there's no way you're going to be able to remember everything that happened. So you don't get to, what's it called, duplicate that experience. Right. You have to make every experience its own. And we don't have a trust of that because we think we might A, fail, or B, make a fool of ourselves, or C, forget something. 
I actually just was reading um, a book. I think it was actually um, Mary Pfeiffer's book, but she was talking about a Buddhist uh, monk, and he was also a presenter who started to get dementia. And he was such a wonderful presenter, and people like to hear him speak, but he was losing his sense of yeah. you know, connectedness. Uh, well, actually not connectedness, but being able to access language. And so what he would do is he would go on the stage and everybody could tell that he wasn't quite sure where he was. So he would say how he'd feel, how he felt. He would say, I'm embarrassed right now. I'm feeling like I don't know what to say. I'm afraid. I'm looking at you and I don't know why I'm here. I'm, mm. I'm anxious. And then all of a sudden something would click and he would start speaking from his heart again. Mm. And everyone was always so moved by this guy because he was willing to go up there and be lost first and then be able to present from his heart. So, you know, I'm using that as just a analogy of if you go up and you, you know, I, I actually had a student last semester who his whole presentation wouldn't work, meaning he brought it was a PowerPoint thing. He was supposed to what's that thing called that you put in the side of the computer, the, uh, thumb, the th thumb drive. Thumb drive yeah. It wouldn't work. He couldn't pull it up. And I looked at him and I said, just talk to us. Just tell us. What were you going to say? How do you do? He did great. I mean, he was nervous and obviously it threw him off, but we asked great questions and he did it and he still got an A. He was ready. He, it just didn't work. The, you know, the, the hard drive part. Sometimes I guess there just aren't enough rocks. <laughs> That's one of my new drops, sweetie. What about this one? Have you actually ever met anyone named McLovin? Have you? Uh, no. Yeah. And then this last one. Yeah, well, you know, that's just like uh, your opinion, man. All right. Our uh, next partner is Tree of Life Chiropractic Care, sweetheart. And they have um, Teacher's Day Out. I know. When is that? That's this Thursday. Nice. And all teachers and staff are invited to bring their school IDs to various Spring Road businesses, starting at Dr. Kelly's, which is at 551 South Spring Road, starting at 315. Um, scans, mini massages, wellness talks, you name it. So, so Dr. Kelly is offering it and the other places on Spring Road are too. Correct. Nice. So yes. get down there. Thursday, September 24th. That's Um Now I want to say a quick, I don't know if it's a fable or whatever. It's a little thing. It's called the Drowning Man, sweetie. It's a thing thing? You may have heard of this, so just bear with me. What's this about? It's about a drowning man. I know, but is it, it's about grace? Grace. Okay. A fellow was stuck on his rooftop in a flood, and he was praying to God for help. Soon a man in a, robot, a rowboat came by, and the fellow shouted to the man on the roof, Jump in, I can save you. The stranded fellow shouted back, No, it's okay, I'm praying to God, and he's going to save me. So the rowboat went on. Then a motorboat came by. The fellow in the motorboat shouted, Jump in, I can save you. To this, the stranded man said, No thanks, I'm praying to God, and he's going to save me. I have faith. So the motorboat went on. Then a helicopter came by and the pilot shouted out, grab this rope and I will lift you to safety. To this, the stranded man again replied, no thanks. I'm praying to God and he's going to save me. I have faith. So the helicopter reluctantly flew away. Soon the water rose above the rooftop and the man drowned. He went to heaven. He finally got his chance to discuss the whole situation with God, at which point he ex exclaimed, I had faith in you, but you didn't save me. You let me drown. I don't understand why. To this, God replied, I sent you a rowboat and a motorboat and a helicopter. What more did you expect? Yeah. So I think that's a good story. Um, I have a real world example. I, have, uh, I had a friend a while back who was going through some tough employment issues, and I directed him to a resource that I really thought was going to help him. And uh, because he's been asking me for help and support and he doesn't know where to turn and just so happened I was in a position where I can really, really help him. And he declined the help and now he's still struggling. And I just feel um, heavy for him because I kind of feel like in a way I was source right. playing a role right. in helping this friend of mine. Right. And he chose not to do it. Now, I don't know if he had two other opportunities like they say in this little story, but um, you have to be open to the possibility mm -hmm. for grace to show up. Mm -hmm. And we want to talk about what the definition of grace is. I don't have one. Do you want to wing it? Like what? what is grace to you? Um, let's see. I, I know there is a Christian definition of grace that I think is uh, important for every – no matter what you believe – 
Um, and that is that the love and mercy given to us by God, because God desires us, us to have it, not because of anything we have done to earn it. Now, again, as we always say on the show, if the word God doesn't sit well with you, use the word nature or universe or source or whatever feels right to you. What it means is that things happen and things are given to us without us having to work hard to deserve it. There are things there. And again, I was going to use the word grace to explain grace. It, there are things around us constantly that are beautiful, telling, um, explanatory, helpful. And it's not that they're not there. It's that we are often unwilling to see it. And an example that I'll give, Todd and I have several, several, several examples, but one of them is this woman that I was talking to who decided to go to this somewhat, uh, not a mystical place, but one of those places where a lot of people see that uh, said that they saw signs. It was this like mountain range. And she's like, I went to this mountain range so I could go on a hike and see all the signs that people told me I would see. And she was climbing and she was thinking about all these stories she had read, Native Americans talking about seeing, you know, visions and, and all these kind of things. And she was walking up and she got to the top and she felt really disappointed. Because she thought, where were all my signs? Like, I feel like I'm at a loss. Like, I didn't see what other people were seeing. And so she let go. And on the way down, she saw a million things. Mm -hmm. She saw birds. She saw squirrels. She saw, you know, animal tracks. She saw flowers blooming. And once she let go of thinking it needed to look a certain way, she was given a million signs of the beauty and grace that surrounds her. And so, and that's a real story. That's not like a, you know, a parable. That's like a friend of mine. And that happens to us all the time is the way our brain gets in the way is we say it needs to look this way. And if it doesn't look this way, and if the person doesn't say this or do this, or if the job I, you know, am offered doesn't look like this or look like this, or if my child doesn't show up in this way or this way, then it's bad and I see nothing else. And the shift we have to make is to not be so rigid in our thinking or to step away from our thinking and notice what's really happening. I like it. Um, I wanted to change gears one more time. Sure. Is there anything else about grace you want to talk about? Yes. Oh, you do? Oh, yes. Okay. I want you to keep going because I was about to change the subject. Where were you going? Well, we're 40 minutes in and I was really? going to start winding things down, but really? I don't want to take the wind out of your sails. Well, just a few other things um, about grace is a lot of times people will talk about that they have a voice that talks to them. And while definitely grace can come through kind of like this girl, like a voice that's kind of beyond us or we don't know where it comes from. It really is of us and we are connected to it. And let me be clear that grace never attacks you. Mm. Like grace is not someone or it's not a voice saying. Well, it's kind of like we have two different voices. There's the voice inside your head. And when I say that, I'm talking about untethered soul, Michael Singer. That's your. The neurotic roommate. Yeah, the neurotic roommate. And then there's the higher voice. And the higher voice always loves you. Mm. The, the higher voice always tells you you're enough. And that's the way you can d disseminate what this voice is. That's right. If it's love, then you know it's coming from the right place. If it's um, not self-acceptance or if it's not loving, then you know it's coming from ego or whatever term you That's want to right. Point. It's coming from something that you believe or something someone told you. Like, or you fear know, or People whatever. will say, well, I, you know, I just had a moment of grace and I realized that I was too fat mm -hmm. and I realized that, you know, blah, blah, blah. And, and usually when they're telling me these stories, I'm like, well, wait a second. What do you mean that was a moment of grace? Like that sounds like it was kind of ripping you down and making you sound not good enough. And grace is when you have a moment of clarity, clarity where you realize right now you're okay. That doesn't mean all your circumstances are okay. It means right now you are you are exactly where you're supposed to be and who you're supposed to be. And I also think that other people and animals and nature are – the reason that we're not on this earth alone <laughs> is because source, I'm going to use that word, has to come through in a million different ways. So we recognize that it's here and it comes through other people. Like just the other day, I was having a really bad day. I was having a tough day where I was feeling just heavy about a lot of things. And I was walking and I, a girl, a woman stopped me and she had a question for me. She's like, I've been meaning to ask you this question. This question has been making me nervous. I'm, I want to ask you this. And just her asking me switched me to another place of being. It was like a – it was that simple where all of a sudden I realized, oh, wait, 
I'm here I can to, help I'm, this I'm here person. To help. Yeah. Exactly. And and that's got nothing to do with my career. I mean, you know, I'm not talking about someone said help me with my parenting. They asked me something very basic where I could actually help them and be like, oh yeah, we're all in this together. Yeah. Or an animal, you know, one of the things when our first rabbit died, that when I came downstairs the first day after Greeley had died, the thing I missed the most was how much he needed me, mm. that he was waiting for me to feed him and he was waiting for me to open his cage and let him out. And what I obviously I missed him in his presence, but I missed that I could be he was grace to me because he gave me purpose. Of course, I'm a mother. So, of course, I feel that way with my children. I'm just using an example of how I felt the difference. Yeah. You know, like having children for as tough as it is. Well, it's a nice reminder when your parent, when your kids are asking you all these different things and you're at your wit's end that you feel grace through being needed. And sometimes you need a little too much. Yes. And then that can throw you where you're like, I want to be alone. I don't want to be with anybody else. And as I've learned time and time again, even though I love alone time more than Todd and more than some people, being alone too much, you miss your connection to to, to the other, yeah. you know, to the uh, to the people who get you out of your head and, and, you know, we need each other. Or if it's not people, you know, sometimes you can... Do you remember the story we told about Jennifer Beale's family and how her... Her mom her, took her yeah, to the mountaintop? Her dad had passed away. And her mom took, put her and her brothers in the back seat and drove to Colorado, took them to the top of the mountain and said, look at that sunrise or that sunset, one or the other, and said, we're going to be okay. And what she was trying to do was give them grace, yeah. a, a shift in perspective where the world goes on. We're stuck in our head and our grief, and that's where we're supposed to be. But I need you to see the bigger picture that we will be okay. So we rarely do this, um, but if anybody wants to comment on our show notes about an example or maybe on our Facebook page, just something. Sometimes or through the voice memo. Or the speak pipe, yeah, the voice memo on our website. If you just want to share, sometimes it feels good to share. And if you want to do it on the Facebook page or the website or in the comments, um, give us an example. We'd love to hear it. Share a moment of grace. Yeah. And one thing that I wrote down is Todd and I were um, uh, talking upstairs is that sometimes you need a new set of eyes for grace, meaning you need to stop viewing the problems the same way that you've always been viewing them. And you need to be open because you may need to notice something that has always been there. It may not be a new thing. It may be something that's always been there. And then Rumi, Rumi wrote something about grace. You want to hear it? Imagine that. He said, you are so weak. Give up to grace. The ocean takes care of each wave till it gets to shore. You need more help than you know. Mm. And basically, worth, you know, if you read that just on plain surface, surface right. you'll say, well, that doesn't sound very uplifting. And what? Surrender to allowing something bigger than you to show up to help you. And we are all part of the ocean. Yeah. We're all in this together. This is not about something just happening for you and nobody else. We're all doing it. Well, I, I, it's funny because I actually have an example of Grace in this uh, feel-good story that Good. I have. And then at the very end, the um, can I read this brief story as we're closing. Um, about, why don't you do that and then I'll read my thing. Well, actually, you go ahead and do yours because the music relates to Oh, mine. okay. So I didn't plan for these dots to be connected, but uh, there's a town in Massachusetts that decided to stop arresting drug users. Uh, this was back in June. Two months later, here's how it's going. Back in June 2015 in Gloucester, Massachusetts, sorry if I'm mispronouncing that, police chief Leonard... Campanello announced that his officers would no longer arrest drug users who approached them seeking help. Instead, the department announced that they would refer the drug users to treatment and front the cost. Uh, Gloucester has been... Is it Gloucester? It's it's G-L-O-U-C-E-S-T-E-R. All right. Has been struggling to combat a big heroin problem. Needless to say, there were many questions about whether his experiment would actually work. How much would it cost? Would it actually reduce the number of overdose deaths? Would drug users actually trust the police, knowing that admitting to possession could, ne- could technically get them arrested at any time? So after two months, the early results are in, and they look very promising. According to the police chief, since June 1st, an impressive number of addicted persons have made use of the program. We've had 116 people placed in treatment. Wow. 
He explained, no criminal charges, all placed on the same day. In order to keep costs down, the police department managed to bargain down the cost of a life-saving detox drug from local pharmacies. Largely as a result, the department estimates that the cost of the program so far is less than $5,000. Or, as he put it in a recent Facebook post, under 5000 for 100 lives. Even after the initiative took effect in June, the epidemic of overdose deaths hasn't completely subsided, and given the the outside-the-box nature of the program, there's still a lot of legal red tape to work through. But progress has to start somewhere, and 100 people who would otherwise be sitting in jail now have a chance to repair their lives. Love it. So this guy was their source. Was their grace. Right? And that's the thing is that sometimes we can be grace for other people. Right. That we can be grace not just for those 160 people that came to his police officers, but their families and the community. See, this is a ripple effect. And a lot of people will say, well, if they're doing drugs, they deserve it. Until you have had either yourself had the experience or a family member had the experience of addiction, you can't say much about it right. because it is something that – talk about needing other people's grace or sources' grace or the grace of nature. You need help. You can't, it's, it's not a do-it-alone situation. And so I just think that's really beautiful. Yeah. Um, tournament of Bad? Are we doing Tournament of Bad and a Grace episode? Uh, we'll skip it till next week. iTunes reviews. Yes. Um, John, 1991. I don't have kids yet, but I can't stop listening to your show. It's so wonderful to listen to like-minded people. Thank you for your podcast. God bless. Oh. And then the other one, I'll just stop because we have a bunch of them, but I'll stop after this one. Um, this one is written by Zendi Wendy. I want to meet Zendi Wendy. Me too. I like that. Uh, wish I could be in your community. I just feel like I'm listening to two people that I would be great friends with. I love and appreciate your dialogue. You guys validate me as well as enable me to recognize how I am imperfectly perfect. Thanks for doing what you do and keep up, keep it up, up speaking. Oh my gosh. We are so Facebook friends. <laughs> Yay. Happy dance. Wendy Finkelstein. Yeah. Thank you, Wendy. Uh, so yeah, thank you very much. And uh, the only other events I want to promote are... Um, we're going to talk about Zen Parenting Conference next week. Yes. That's the plan. Yeah, our website is going to go up. On September 28th, which is uh, a week from t- it's next Monday, um, a Dr. Thompson, what's his first name? Michael Thompson, is doing a program call, called The Pressure Child, Helping Your Child Find Success in School and in Life. And that's at Sandberg Middle School. You know what? You've talked about this twice, and it sounds like when I listen to the show, it sounds like we're hosting it and we're not. We're not. No, uh, this no. has got nothing to do with us. Because you said something it's, about him coming to town. It's a community and, event. Yeah, that we're not hosting that. No, no, no. Um, but yes, Thank he you. will be here. And then last but not least, don't forget about the plaque that I want to win. <laughs> International Podcast Gratitude Days. It's September 30th. Basically what it means is uh, write a review on iTunes and uh, if we get a... kind an, review. A kind review. If we get enough good ones, we might get a plaque. And you know what? I want that plaque. Todd, Todd wants the grace of a plaque. Um one more thing about grace is that we kind of hopefully people got this and we're talking about it in two different ways, but sometimes we can be grace to other people and we can actually do something that is graceful. And sometimes grace comes through ways that there's nothing we could do to create it. Right. It just happens. So there's a lot of doing and being. Um, and I have found that when I'm in the darkest times, if I keep moving and keep living, I know something will show up. And when I say show up, I don't mean someone's going to hand me money or, you know, I'm not like this guy where I'm waiting for some huge sign. Yeah. Uh, you know, I I open my heart to something is going to shift. I'm going to feel something, experience something, see something. And if you can hold on to that in your darkest times, like that grace will show up um, and be open to whatever that looks like, then that is what I call hope, you know. I hear you. I hear you. Um, we're going to close the show. Okay. You all right with that? Yes. Because you have a story that yes. you want to finish up with. Uh, but I want to mention our last partner. Okay. Um, Avid Company, Painting and Remodeling. They actually, they do kitchens, sweetie. I do know I don't know that. if you knew that. A new kitchen changes the whole look and feel of your house. Opt for greater efficiency, beauty, and design in the nerve center of your home. Avidco.net, 630-956-1800. And um, we're going to play a little song called Amazing Grace by Leanne Rhymes, and all the while you're going to uh, be saying something, right? So 
Should Amazing I... Grace. Yeah, just hold on a second. Okay. Amazing Grace was uh, written by an Englishman, uh, John Newton, I believe his name was, who in the early part of his life, he was an atheist, a libertine, a slave trader. Okay. So John Newton was born in London in 1725. Um, and he was the son of a ship commander father who wasn't very good to him. Um, by 1745, Newton was enlisted in the slave trade, running captured slaves from Africa to, ironically, um, Charleston, South Carolina, which mm. kind of goes to the whole thing of why President Obama sang Amazing Grace yeah. in Charleston. After he rode out a storm at a sea, in, at the sea in the sea, it's in 1748, he found his faith. He was ordained a priest in 1764 and became a, an important voice in the abolitionist movement. And at that time, he wrote Amazing Grace along with 280 other hymns. So Amazing Grace has a history about being in your head and living pain and being being somewhat monstrous, mm -hmm. as John Newton was once. And he had an experience on this boat that's too long to explain, but you could look him up where he saw the light and he was blind, but now he could see and he knew that we needed to live from love Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that That's our show, friends. Thanks for listening. We hope you felt outstanding. And if you want to continue feeling this outstanding, go to zenparentingradio.com and subscribe to the podcast. You can also subscribe via iTunes. And while you're there, feel free to give us a kind review. You can also follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and Pinterest. To reach us, you can send us a message at comments at zenparentingradio.com. Or you can record a voice message through our website and ask any question you want. Go to Amazon or our website to find Kathy's first two books and her most recent award-winning book, Living What You Want Your Kids to Learn, The Power of Self-Aware Parenting. You can also subscribe to her Practicing Realness blog for her most up-to-date writing. If you're interested in The Tribe, the men's group that I co-facilitate, go to thetribemensgroup.com. We're grateful for your support and encouragement. We only ask that you give the same to yourself and the people you love most. Until next time.